How you doing, everyone? Yeah, good. Thanks, Magpie Burger. Uh, Logan Berry, if you can hear us, we might have an issue with your microphone. I'll just get you to. I'll just get you to double check uh, your your things, Logan Berry. If you need to log on and log off, uh, we'll we'll wait for you to to come on. In the meantime, how's your week been, Magpie Burger? Relaxed, slowing down. About to take a few weeks off. Should be good. Oh, very good. Very, very nice. Yeah, I've been uh, getting out into the out in the garden, doing a few things uh, around the place, catching up on some mowing now that because I'm down uh, down on the morning peninsula. Now that we've had a bit of the rain move away, uh, yeah, the the grass is uh, the grass is ready to ready to go, and uh, weeds are coming up. Everything's just in there and growing. So it's it's nice to see, but it, it bumps the maintenance up. <laughs> yeah, the joys of summer. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Look, it is it is the the joys of summer. Hey, we're just waiting for uh, Logan Berry. I'm not sure whether they have an issue with their uh, their microphone. If they if they do, we can we can start into it uh, in in a moment anyway, and and get going on on that. And they can they can join us. Um, let's see. All right. Well, look. What we'll do is we'll get we'll get started on it. We'll see how uh, see what happens with with Logan Berry. Uh, good morning and welcome to Talking Ozpol, the official cop podcast of the Australian Politics subreddit. Uh, it's the fourth of December two thousand and twenty-two, and today we're joined by Logan Berry and Magpie Bur- Magpie Burger. Uh, we've got a lot of topics today, and if we don't get through them all, we'll likely talk about them on next week's show. Topics we're going to discuss today are Scott Morrison being censured, censored, censored. Uh, the National Anti-Corruption Commission has been created, government capping wholesale gas prices, and giving games with loot boxes an R rating. Uh, now, f- first off here... Uh, and sorry, I've just had a reply back from Logan Berry. Uh, I'm not sure why their unmute button isn't working. Uh, I'll get them to maybe try coming in and out a, a, again. So sorry, we get a, sometimes you get a couple of technical hitches with this, but we'll we'll move uh, we'll move ahead with that. Uh, Magpie Burger, what was your opinion on Scott Morrison becoming the first former? Australian Prime Minister to be censured by Parliament. It's it's essentially a it's nothing in the end. I mean, it's it means it's sort of historical, but at the same time, it's, it doesn't change anything for him. He doesn't seem to particularly care. Ha! No. I mean, he <laughs> I mean, goes on. He collects his pension. Nothing really changes. I mean. I get it's a political win, but everyone will forget about it next week. I mean, there's no real consequences for doing something so extreme and probably unprecedented. I mean, yep. I don't think it's ever happened in the Westminster system where you just have secret ministers. Even in wartime, it's just not, it's just not what's done. 
No, look, that, uh, that's the. I, I suppose there's a couple of issues with it. With it, I'm I'm with you on this one that it's it's essentially just a, a slap on the wrist and arguably a chance to grandstand and and wag fingers, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it was it was a little bit of odd behaviour, and as soon as politicians uh, keep something a bit secret try and sort of uh, keep it but keep it out of the public attention I get immediately suspicious so I think uh, I think two things can probably be true at the, the the same time you can have it as just a meaningless slap on the wrist but you can also have it as well what the hell were you doing I mean it's <laughs> just looking at it from a, a lay person's point of view it makes it more suspicious by by hiding it. Yeah, and I mean, it was a pretty extreme time. If he had just stopped at health, he would have got, he would have just got away with it, and people probably would have accepted it more. But I mean, to play devil's advocate, I mean, you can, his sort of logic is sort of twisted, but it makes sense at the time of, oh well, you know, we don't want someone with extreme power under the Biosecurity Act just changing laws on a whim. Except yes. instead we got two people with those powers. It's not like they needed um, consensus or anything. Like they could just do it behind each other's backs. Uh, so the logic doesn't really add up. But if he stopped at health, he could have just, it wouldn't have been as big an issue. All this other stuff with, you know, the different ministries and stuff that just had absolutely nothing to do with COVID. I mean, it just looks stupid. It looks really bad. I mean, it is bad opt. It is bad optics. I yeah. agree with you on that. And and your point that uh, if he did need to get something uh, changed, he could do it in conjunction with the minister. Minister anyway. Yeah, I mean, the logic is twisted, but it would have held up at the time. I mean, there was a lot of crazy things going on back then. Um, I don't know. I just like, are they going to make laws to stop it? I mean, you can censor him, but it doesn't change anything. Well, um, look, that's right. Say, you know, secret ministries are not on. Um, nothing really changes. I mean, as far as I can see, it's possible for someone to do it again. That's exactly right. That uh, that would probably change my uh, opinion of how it's been been handled if they came out and they said not only do we not agree with it but now here's some legislation to ensure that it doesn't happen again it underscores that it's a little bit of a a public a public show um and i suppose the other thing is there except for one instance where he used his power on oh, i can't remember he was a, he approved i can't remember the mining, name of it here mine, i think he actually stopped the mining thing and stopped, yes. Yeah, he stopped a mining uh, plan going ahead. And, um, yeah, that's got a lot of questions over it. They're taking him to court because they're basically saying he's not the minister because he never told anyone he's the minister doing it. And that's where it's sort of – that's their whole argument in uh, in the legal case. Yeah, well, look, that's going to be interesting to, to watch. Uh, Logan Berry, I think, got uh, this their issue sorted. Are you with us, Logan Berry? Yes, I am. Sorry about that. Um, it just decided that I got everything right. And then it's like, oh, actually, you needed to reload the page. So I was kind of sitting there for a few minutes wondering what's going on. And um, but I've got it sorted out now, thankfully. 
Ah, oh, no worries at all. Good to good to have you uh, have you aboard. What's your? Uh, you've just heard, hopefully, just heard uh, Magpie Burger and myself make a comment uh, about Morrison's censure. Uh, have you got anything to add? Yeah, look, I was definitely I was listening, and it's really interesting. I don't have too much more to add on the, uh, I guess, condemnation side as I see it. I think everyone here uh, realistically agrees that what he did was pretty bad. Um, and certainly worthy of some sort of um, punishment. What I've always found, or what I've found interesting looking over it, is that there's a lot of focus on his speech, that it wasn't very repentant, um, and a lot of focus on that phrase he used talking about how, oh, if you had asked me, I would have told you, which everyone is like, mm. so, yeah, it's, a, mm. it's an interesting <laughs> way of putting it and an interesting defense to go with. Um, but when I first looked at it, the thing that caught me was his speech and the uh, Courier Mail has it up here. It's very resignation-y. It sounds very much like a resignation speech. Um, if you go through and read it, he's talking about the honor he's had serving um, for the past 15 years. He's thanking mm. the people of Cook. He's thanking the people of Shy. He's talking about moving home. And to me, when I first read that, I, I texted my mates. I was like, Scott Morrison's resigning because that's to me was my initial reaction. But it's been a few days. No, uh, no, of, um, none of the other articles I've seen really talked about this issue. So I, I'm interested in his choice of words he used throughout it because mm. to me it sounded like a straight up resignation speech, and then he hasn't. Yeah, look, it's interesting you say that. I had the the similar opinion. Uh, sorry, the the similar impression. I can't remember what it was. I'd open up the 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 ipad and that story came up something about scott morrison's speech which i started reading it straight away and immediately went somewhere else to to check because i thought oh okay he's he's resigning it it did have those words yeah i think that maybe um, um if, if he's gonna do it they're gonna probably wait for an ideal time for a by-election it's not really he's, he's going into quiet quitting mode and they'll just hold out for a while. Oh. And if he is going to leave, maybe it's just not the ideal time. Well, look, that's 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 true. That's that's quite the that's quite a possibility. Um, I can understand him working with the the party. You know, but for all his faults, he does seem to be a uh, a party person and have you know, sort of at least give the impression that he's trying to work with with people not everyone's going to agree with with that particularly as all the people that he didn't tell about his secret ministry however it would surprise me if he uh wasn't working with the the party itself to make sure that was opportune if he was going not really in the public's good books at the moment and labor seem to be winning on those fronts so yeah, maybe just give it a while after Christmas, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Look, we'll we'll see how that goes there. Uh, speaking of uh, after Christmas and good books and labour, the next topic we had was National Anti-Corruption uh, Commission clearing the final hurdle and passing the House of, of Representatives. Now, hats off to Labour. They delivered on a key election uh, promise. So I think that they deserve some credit for that i didn't think it would happen uh, it's passed so easily which makes me a little bit suspicious however 
uh, it's a tangible step in the right direction. I suppose we'll have to wait and see what the reality is. Uh, Loganberry, what do you think about the National Anti-Corruption Commission uh, finally passing? Yeah, look, we're, we're all thankful it's here and it's been a long time coming and you've got to give some credit to people like Helen Hayes and some of the other independents and the Greens for pushing for one for so long. Um, I'm also a little worried about how fast it passed. Obviously, we saw it pass in the Senate, I believe, with uh, liberal support rather mm -hmm. than going through uh, the Greens or the independents for some of the amendments, most prominently the uh, amendment looking for public hearings. And it, it does make you worried. Like, um, from my opinion, I don't think it's perfect. It, it, it makes me worried. It, it does. I, I Look, yeah, hats off. They got it done. And I think that's been Labor's, one of main, Labor's main strategies post-election has been, all right, we made these promises. Let's get them done. Maybe not as much as some people would like and as strong as some people would like, but, you know, they said we want to um, do some stuff with childcare. They've done some stuff with childcare. They said we want to get the Anti-Corruption Commission in. They've done that. They're doing the IR bill. You you certainly feel like there's a lot of momentum going behind them right now. They've, they've gone through and they've done a bunch of stuff. Um, I saw an article talking about how it feels like Labor's done more in six months than the Coalition has done in 10 years, which, while probably not quantitatively true, um it, it certainly is feeling like there's a lot of push and momentum behind labor right now um look i'm, I'm always happy for anti-corruption i think everyone is behind some level of anti-corruption and i'm not an expert i don't want to say exactly what things should be happened but i would hope for more public hearings and more stuff along that lines i'm a little disappointed in that but look they got it done they got it done by the year which is a deadline they set themselves I think they had to get it done because if they didn't by the end of the year, you know, you've got a lot of people asking questions and a lot of angry people. So it's a, it's a big win for them regardless. Even yeah, if look, some I, people I, are a little angry. Yeah, look, I'd agree. It's a big, big win. What about you, Magpie Burger? How did how did it go down with you? Yeah, like I'm I'm on board. Like it's been a it has been a long time coming. Um way overdue. Um, I, I disagree on the other side, though, with the public hearings. I mean, it has a chance for, you know, witch hunt potential. I mean, it's a good oh. thing. It's bipartisan. Um, but I, I have faith for the, in these independent bodies to do the right thing behind closed doors. Um, and hopefully it is just oh. exceptional circumstances, like really, really uh, out there corruption things that, you know, face public scrutiny. Because... As you see, recent legal cases, it's just not good when the media's all involved in it. You've got to just let let the proper authorities do their job. And um, I, I put my hats off to uh, New South Wales ICAC. They work their they work their ass off doing uh, uh doing good stuff, and they have some very strong powers. I think people need to understand that. Like these are they have much stronger powers than regular police investigations. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that like you're compelled to testify against yourself, which is actually a regular legal right in any sort of normal court case where you can say, I'm not going to testify against myself. So um, you just sorry, Magpie, Magpie Burger, you just, you just, it sounds like you're bumping your mic a little bit just to, um, just oh, as a heads up. That's, yep. that's all right. Sorry, go ahead with the, um, the seriousness of the powers. Um, yeah, there's a freight train coming through. Uh, ignore oh. that. I'm in my outdoor time. Um, oh. 
Yes. So I just think the powers are pretty serious and people need to understand that with regards to it. And um, look, hopefully it doesn't turn into witch hunts, but there's going to be a lot of work for them. I mean, they're going back a decade and a half, I think. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the stuff that goes on in state politics, they've just got, you know, boxes and boxes of work to do. Um, it just keeps building up. But to pretend that there's no corruption in federal politics is willfully naive, in my opinion. I mean, it's it's definitely going on, and there's stuff that's just sort of quite blatant. Um, so it'll be a good thing, and yeah, I just think let the authorities do their job. It doesn't have to always be out in public and in front of everyone and turn into a media circus. I think that's just a bad outcome sometimes. Yeah, look, I, I, I suppose I feel you can, you can have a... There can be a halfway halfway point. I think having the potential to be able to do the the, the public hearings, uh, I think that's essentially a power that they can have because it can look. It might be, sound a bit funny, but it can be used as a, another means of of coercing people to um, go along with what's required. Even though you said they do have the the powers, uh, sometimes behind closed doors versus in public can also be uh, a way to encourage people to be to be more cooperative or it can be wielded as a as a stick it can be used to uh, it can be used in that way so i don't know that it necessarily has to be an either or yeah and it's it's not like there isn't um, going to be public hearings. It's just it's we're we're more talking about the bar for it here. Of course, the Greens and the Independents wanted uh, what was the phrasing for it? Public or enough public appeal, I guess, or enough concern to the public for public hearings. Whereas uh, the Liberal and Labor uh, amendments or, or bill that passed has it set for exceptional circumstances. What those exceptional circumstances are. I don't think we know, and I don't think mm. anyone knows yet. Um, it's looking to come in, I believe, halfway through next year. So obviously we've got the bill passed, um, but the actual body is looking to be set in uh, midway through next year. So I'm sure by then we should know, and, and we definitely need to know the criteria for what those exceptional circumstances are. Um, but it's not like we're not allowing public hearings, although we'll have to see you know, in the years to come, how much those exceptional circumstances actually get met and if we actually get these public hearings at all. Yeah, well, the proof of the pudding is going to be in the in the convictions. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. I think as well, uh, both sides, and Labor and Liberal, need to understand that there is a, a large credibility gap that both of them need to make up we, you know, we've had uh, a couple of decades now of increasing secrecy by government that's been, uh, if whichever side has been in opposition, they've rubber-stamped uh, increases in, in surveillance, metadata, gathering, uh, executive secrecy. They've both gone along with it, and I think the public is well and truly entitled to say, look, we want a bit more transparency on how you guys are going to be policing yourselves. I, I do understand it's an independent um, commission. However, uh, ultimately, whoever's paying the bills has a bit of a say over it. 
Uh, but I think the public's entitled to turn around and say, no, we, we want this to be uh, very transparent. Now, that transparency may well be that there is a subset of people who are essentially public advocates who attend, and I don't know what the structure is, I'm just spitballing here, but uh, this, is the, this is the place where we can give our opinions and wild, wild predictions. I would like to see a, uh, a public advocate subcommittee for the hearings that are not public hearings, but someone keeping an eye on them, essentially watching the, the watchers. Now, I don't know the practicalities of that. I don't know whether that's already built into the, the system, but I do think the public has a right to be suspicious until their suspicions are, suspicions are, are wiped away by some credible results. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting point going forward. I think the difference between something like the NACC um, uh, and the legal system and your more traditional courts, even though, of course, it is a legal system, it is a court and it does or will have the power to enact legal repercussions, is that we're dealing almost exclusively with elected officials. I, I think there's a higher burden on the system to allow for public scrutiny in that case, because you saw it with um, Gladys Berejiklian uh, and some other people a lot of the time, the, the worst punishment they're going to get from this and the only real one they, they will get from these is unelectability, is um, issues in their campaigning, issues in being re-elected. So I think when it comes to elected officials, I'm, I'm a bit less concerned on um, the privacy of court hearings. I think that's something more for private citizens um, yep. to worry about. But um, I certainly do still, you know, there's always going to be that need for some privacy. It'd be interesting if there was something along the lines of a, of a public proponent in the courtroom, like you said, maybe, or, or at the very least in these private hearings, we could receive some information about what was talked about. Um, yeah. Maybe the commissioner could decide, you know, they release a statement rather than the news full covering it. Maybe they just want to release a few statements to be careful. Um, but I'd certainly, yeah, be like to kept up to date with how these private hearings go when they are eventually undertaken, as I'm all sure, I'm sure we all huh. know they're going to be, and plenty of them. Well, yes, and look, we have from in the the chat, we've got a, a comment here from from Ben Along, which is, uh, well, actually, it's I suppose now that he said it, I thought, well, of course, that's a that's a, a strong point. Uh, ben Along says, my thoughts are that many of the things that will be brought up during the NACC may have national security issues if they are made public. And I think that's probably a, a, a fair point to, to make. Uh, not everything, much as I would like it to, to be, not everything can be public. But as, as Ben Along says, if there is a security issue, I think that's probably a fair reason. It sort of harkens back to what you were saying, Logan Berry, though, on the the parameters that are put uh, put in this, and we've seen with a number of things that are, are censored and put put away for you know not to be open for twenty five years. That oftentimes we find the interpretation of what was in the the public interest, sorry, in the national security interest, was really just protecting somebody from being embarrassed. So look, I'd go along with Benelong's point as a as a principle. But again, I would want to see how it is actually uh, actually enacted. Uh, what, what do you think, Magpie Burger, about the uh, security issues? 
Yeah, I mean, it is a catch-all for public servants and um, yeah, parliamentarians to hide behind. I mean, you see it with freedom of information requests all mm -hmm. the time where it's just stuff that, like I said, it's just embarrassing and yep. it's just an easy way out. Um, I mean, it's not saying there's there's plenty of national security implications and a bunch of stuff uh, and just private, you know, deals with uh, corporations and stuff, which generally stays under wraps just for, I don't know, you can't just go telling everyone the what you were negotiating because it sort of makes it harder for the government to negotiate down the track with other companies. So I understand that um, and it's it's a valid point. Uh, but yeah, you do you do have to be wary of the government using it as a escape hatch when it's it's just not valid. Yeah, yeah. Look, I I tend I tend to agree with you on that. Uh, speaking of the government and um, <laughs> covering <laughs> covering up their their uh, their talk before uh, we get. On to our next topic, government to cap wholesale gas prices as part of the market intervention to lower power prices. Uh, I suppose I would preface this with uh, it's still in the stage where it's being looked at, it's being discussed, but it seems to be getting uh, a lot more pressure on to be realised. Uh, certainly with what we're seeing with the cost of living increasing and a number of people feeling the pinch, energy prices are one of those issues that can be pointed to and you know, justifiably in some ways, unjustifiably in others, but it can certainly be pointed to by politicians and uh, demonised and they can say, there's the cause of your problem, now look towards us, we're going to, to do something about it. Uh, government capping prices well let's start off does it ever work uh and what do we see as the impact on producers let, let's know what you think first loganberry um look it's it's interesting and it's really important for for labor going forward of course they have always had the um, perception of being weaker in the economy um so it's going to be a really interesting test uh for them going forward and it's it's an interesting thing to cap and and it's something they've got to deal with we've we've seen power prices rise um a lot to do with the ukraine war of course with coal and stuff um and gas has this ever worked <laughs> i look i'm i think that's something that needs to be answered by a, a qualified economist and a, probably a paper and a lot of research uh it, i guess it depends on how much it worked and your and your definition of what is a success or not um okay. it's really gonna be interesting going forward i've um anthony albanese is doing it through the states a lot so obviously the states manage a lot of the energy infrastructure um so it's interesting this continuation of uh the states being a more prominent member of federal politics and in general in our lives so whether it's going to work i i i i'm i'm recitant to comment on uh given my lack of expertise in the subject but it, it's interesting. It's definitely something that has got to work for Labor um, and that they need to get right if they want to start changing this perception around them. One that I don't necessarily agree with, but it's, I, you know, I'd fairly confident saying that Labor being bad with the economy is certainly in the public sphere um, and, and the pop culture kind of understanding of Labor policy. Mm. Yeah, what I about mean, you, Magpie? How, how are you seeing it? 
Yeah, I mean, I'd just say first up that that whole, uh, you know, better economic managers probably just got trashed in the last few years. I mean, they completely <laughs> ruined the budget. And, um, yeah, so I think that historic perception is probably going away uh, for, <laughs> well, for some people. Um, it will. It, I mean, will it work? Short term, sure. Like, it will bring down prices. The, the, the excessive wholesale prices are set at the edges, at the margins, and it's always the gas generators setting it. Um, so if you can get the price down, sure, it'll work short term, but it's a horrible long-term solution. It's no, yeah. it, it's going to cause trouble. And already, you know, the, the federal election solidarity is out the window. Queensland's completely against it. South Australia's just come out and said they're against it too. Um, Anastasia up in Queensland wearing a high vis um, in front of some machinery saying, get a, get, keep your hands off our generators um, if he tries to bring it in on coal, which is the logical next step. I mean, it's the coal and gas prices that are driving wholesale prices through the roof and, and that flows on to retail electricity. Um, so look, it'll work. And they said they'd do something by the end of the year. Uh, which they did. It's just, it's just a terrible long-term solution, and that's the thing. How temporary is this? There's nothing more permanent than a temporary uh, law. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that's exactly right. In fact, there, look, this this was telling. There was uh, an ABC News story, 29th of November, by Andrew Proben and Jane Norman, uh, where. Madeline King, the resources minister, said, we do have to consider everything because it is so complex. And to be fair, some things that at one stage we might have thought not possible, maybe we need to rethink these. Uh, Madeline King says the government is conscious there may be unintended consequences of intervening in the market, to which I'd say, do you think so? Oh, of course, it's going to happen. <laughs> um, I personally am of the view that maybe we should just deal with it and accept the higher prices because it'll drive investment in into you know grid scale storage and more green energy. Um, trying to balance out the fluctuations, um, but if you yeah. make gas cheaper, there's not really much market incentive for people to you know do the grid scale storage, do, do other things. Um, so it's, it will have perverse effects on the market in the long term. Um, it's, it's popular, I, I'm sure, but uh, mm. it's just not pop. Suddenly the states realise that like Queensland's looking at a pretty big drop in royalties if, yep. um, if their exports are capped and they're one of them and WA export most of our gas. South Australia has a lot of gas, but it's already contracted. So this doesn't really affect them. Um, gas prices have gone up. South Australian producers aren't really making that much more money. Um, it's more the other things involved in Albanese's plan, like a, a East Coast gas reservation set up, which um, I think the same with Anastasia again. She told New South Wales and Victoria to develop their own gas fields and stop taking Queensland gas. So it's it's gone back to the, the good old <laughs> states infighting days of the uh, last couple of years. <laughs> well look I, I and I think that's a I think that's a fair criticism of hers. Uh it's certainly be yeah you know, the 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 gas 
uh, what, what's been happening with the gas industry is something that you know I've, I've paid attention to on and off for you know, a number of years now and I remember uh, oh it was a it was a it was a conference oh, must have, must have been at least 10 years ago now where a couple of the the gas producers up uh, up there were talking about the the difficulty in working with New South Wales bans on how much uh, exploration could go ahead and flagging even then that the the logical outcome is going to be your gas demand keeps going up your production is going down there is no other future other than you're not going to have enough gas so where are you going to get it from and I think for someone someone like uh, Queensland, particularly with the push that's on, particularly with the pressure that's on to provide uh, cheap energy to your, your the, the, the people of your state, I think they're more entitled to turn around more than entitled to turn around to New South Wales and Victoria and say, well, now you're going to be reaping what you you sowed. If we've got some left over, maybe we'll uh, we'll share it with you, but we're going to look after our own people first and. I wouldn't have a problem with that approach. That's the thing. It's one of the royalties is one of the few ways states can earn money themselves without relying on the GST carve up. So, yep. and if this goes through, you're looking at a significant um, drop in Queensland gas royalties. So she's asking for compensation, which would be a pretty a, a sticky point in the national cabinet, I think, because um, yep. suddenly someone's getting compensation and everyone wants some compensation so yeah, that'll yeah, be interesting absolutely. and it'll be hard for him i think for albanese and the federal labor to deal with yeah the sort of the pushback against it yeah. Yeah. yep look it's going to be another interesting one to keep an, an eye on what do you think about the uh what uh Palaszczuk was saying about uh new south wales and victoria loganberry you in an agreement disagreement what's your opinion yeah, certainly. Look, Queensland's gonna gonna Queensland, and that's fair on them. It's their state, their gas. Um, we do need to, you know, take responsibility for our own energy infrastructure, in our own states, and the and the governments we put in, and and what they did. Um, I, I'd laugh um, for the South Australians right now, probably feeling a, a little smug with their <laughs> renewable energy. I saw that it's hitting new highs every single week, and in fact, um, I think recently they had a week where they were. 85% renewable energy and they were dipping into negative prices during the day, just trying to use it all up. Um, so certainly, and, and we've seen South Australia around the world has been a absolute star on the renewable energy market. And it's, mm. it's unfathomable that, that none of the other states are chasing them. And I guess New South Wales, especially, and uh, down in Victoria, we're reaping what we sow, given that we, we can't rely on the large gas reserves of uh, some of the other states and it'll be interesting going forward but in terms of Anastasia Palaszczuk yeah <laughs> she's right <laughs> we, we've got to deal with it um, she should be focusing on Queenslanders as is her mandate and her job um, and sure it's never great to be too fractitious between the states but premiers are going to look after the state and it's their job and I, I, I don't mind the idea that she's doing that yeah, look, I, I, I agree. All right, well, from the uh, politicians up in the north, let's roll the dice and go down 
all the way south and get your opinions on Andrew Wilkie tabling a bill targeting in-game gaming. There was an article in iGaming Business on the 29th of November by Zach Thomas Aku, and uh, in it just gives a bit of background for people. Andrew Wilkie, independent federal Australian MP for Clark, Tasmania, has tabled an amendment to Australia's existing media classification bill that would restrict video game loot boxes to over-18s. Many parents might not know that loot boxes featuring games such as Star Wars, Call of Duty, FIFA and even Mario Kart, said the MP. Indeed, research by the Australian Gaming Council found 62% of the best-selling games contain loot boxes and that all young people surveyed had played a game featuring loot boxes. Disturbingly, the study also found that young people who have used loot boxes were more likely to have gambled in the past 12 months. So, look, that's a bit of a uh, a bit of an outline of it. Uh, for me, it's easy for some people to dismiss this as just shiny pictures in a game, but this is potentially, not definitely, but potentially training children and young adults into a mindset which is demonstrably exploited by the gaming industry. And for me, at the very least, it needs to be seriously considered so we'll keep going with you logan berry what's your opinion on the loot boxes and andrew wilkie's uh proposal yeah look this um for for me was was probably the most interesting topic we were going to look at because it's actually the topic that has it it could have some very very far-reaching global Mm. um results from it because Mm. we're talking about a situation where games that have loot boxes which um now look reddit is very anti-gambling i'm pretty anti-gambling i think we can all uh you can see on on reddit uh, on throughout all the australian subreddits that no one likes the sports bet ads um that seem very persuasive and loot boxes have become something as an avid gamer myself over the last five ten years you know i can't remember them when I started playing Call of Duty 4, but in, you know, the latest Call of Duties, they're everywhere. And as you said, in Star Wars and in every kind of game, it's become a very common way of generating income for gaming companies. Just, just give well, it, we'll, we'll, we'll keep, I'll, I'll let you keep going with that thought. But for, look, I, I haven't played games for, oh God, a couple of decades. Long time. Just, yeah, a long, a long, a long time. Yeah, I'm 50, 58. Uh, so it's been a while since I've done that. But uh, just before you you keep going with that, just give uh, someone like me, what's your, like in Call of Duty, I, I feel like in Mario Kart or something that I've seen in things on, you know, the iOS platforms where, you know, shiny things pop up and you can get it. That makes sense to me. But Call of Duty, if I'm, if I'm still thinking about that being, you know, basically a, a team shoot up or uh, mm. you can play it as an individual as well. How the hell does a, a loot box come into that? Just can you uh, just explain that to me, please? Yeah. So the way the income kind of generation works, it's all about cosmetics. People really like cosmetics and they'll do all sorts of crazy things. In Call of Duty, sure, it's meant to be a, a kind of modern warfare team shooter, but you'll find people running around in bright pink I don't know, bunny suits or stuff like that. So it's all about oh, cosmetics. Oh. And it's it's effectively <laughs> having a, sl- like, it is having a slap. That's all it is. It's you press a button, a wheel ro- rotates, and you get it. And in some games, there can even be monetary value. Of course, um, CSGO 
or Counter-Strike Global Offensive, which is a very popular game, they have a very robust market around their cosmetics. You can you can win um, certain knives, knife skins um, oh. that are worth thousands of dollars um, in, wow. in these sort of games, and they're all over the place. A lot of people make a lot of money on them. Um, but it, it's mainly used these days for free-to-play games. A lot of games will be going free-to-play, so you can just download it and play. You don't have to pay for the game. But yeah. hey, here's these loot boxes you can get to get all these cool cosmetics and some other stuff and and for progression. So that's that's the way they're working. They'll they're they're just almost purely cosmetics. Some games will include them uh, as actual game mechanics or you know new guns you can unlock. They certainly can yeah. be in games, but you'll find more to the point uh, to avoid controversy around being uh, a pay to win game. Uh, where where people that pay just get all the better stuff. Most games will will stick mainly to cosmetic items uh, uh, to, for for loot box rewards. Ah, uh, okay. That was going to be my other question: whether it sort of whether it pays for an advantage. Now I interrupted that uh, interrupted your stream of thought because I I hadn't had experience with that. You were talking about the um, uh, the, the the view of gaming, the impact of of gaming, and how uh, on, on Reddit and in the community. Yeah, so so what's interesting to me with this is, is that potential global impact because Australia already has probably some of the most restrictive gaming censorship laws um, in the world, or at least in, in certainly in uh, Western countries, um, which is really interesting. But we're talking about a situation where any game with a loot box, which is, <laughs> again, most games these days, games that are rated PG and G at the moment, they might have loot boxes in them. They're going to be R18 plus if this bill was passed. That's a big step. You're talking about these games that don't want to be R18 plus. You know, Fortnite doesn't want to be R18 plus. None wow. of these games want to be R18 plus. You, you've got to have a very specific target market to, to be an R18 plus game because you're going to cut out a lot of the a lot of the market of the younger kids. And so it, to my mind, it's going to result in a situation where, you know, if this law was passed is a game like Fortnite, which is mainly targeted kids that now would technically be an R18 plus. Yeah. Um, is that going to then like, are they going to make a separate version for the Australian market? Uh, are they going to leave it completely? Um, and that, and then that kind of reaches on, globally because does that mean they or they might just choose to abandon the feature as some games are mm. these days as loot boxes are becoming more and more controversial and um seen in a worse and worse light it, it's it's really interesting it's kind of akin to like the um ub uh usbc laws in europe how they have forced apple to um forego us uh whatever cable they were using lightning cables um yep. for their phones and switch to usbc um it, it might Perhaps not in a market as small as ours is, but if some someone like Europe or um, the US followed our lead and, and enacted one of these laws, you could see that gaming companies completely shy away from it globally because they can no longer use it as effectively in, in the larger markets. Again, in Australia, we've got a small market, but it, it'll be interesting to see that we're, you know, we could lead the charge on this. I'm mostly all for it. Um, I, I don't know particularly... In I, I actually I'll rephrase that I'm all for legislation around it and regulating it. Um, yep. I don't know if this is the exact route I'd go, 
um, just because in the short term it will stuff over um, yep. a lot of younger gamers specifically as parents understandably don't want to get them an R18 plus game. Um, but I'm certainly all for legislation around getting rid of loot boxes for games. So any step toward it, I'm not going to be angry about. Yeah, I can understand that. Are you are you a are you a gamer, Magpie? Uh, I mean, years ago, years ago, not that much anymore. I think at some point I just sort of thought oh, I'm spending way too much time on this. <laughs> yeah. uh, not that it's not fun. Uh, I think this is Wilkie's bread and butter, but I I just have concerns about the sort of like what Logan Barry was saying. A lot of this stuff's cosmetic, um, and. Is Australia big enough to really push these big, you know, big company, big gaming companies to change their ways? Um, they might just pull out or they might just accept the R rating and take the L. Um, I'm, I'm all for it. Like for those things that like he was talking about CSGO and stuff where there's full monetary value. I mean, that's just, that's the pokies by, by another name. I mean, you put in money and you can win money, um, sometimes significant amounts. So that's just straight up gambling, and yep. I, I definitely agree. You know, it's no place for kids. I mean, Australia's already got a massive gambling problem. We spend a few years out of the country and come back. It always is sort of an assault on the senses going to the pub, where there's just pokies everywhere, and yeah, sports bet ads constantly on yeah. TV. It's just a uh, yeah. It's very um. I mean, for for a young kid growing up in Australia, it's probably. Not a huge worry if they get, you know, a different skin and that has no yeah. real change on their on their gameplay or their chances of winning. So I don't I think so, something like that should probably be left alone or it, it's just not as serious as maybe Wilkie's making out to be. Um, I agree with the other stuff. I mean Logan Berry pretty much nailed it all on the head. I mean yeah. it's it's a difficult business to get into australia does love restricting content for some reason yeah. games are huh. held on a completely different level as shows and movies um but i guess that's it's our classification board and that's how they've pretty much always been well look, um, they do they, they do love yeah. re re restricting content Fortunately, here we don't restrict content, so it's uh, we can just we can just we can discuss all these these topics. So look, that's our four topics for for today. I want to thank both of you, Logan Berry and Magpie Berry, uh, Magpie Berry, <laughs> Logan Berry and Magpie <laughs> Burger for uh, for joining us the this morning. Apologies to the the audience that I had a few technical difficulties at the beginning, but uh, sometimes times these things happen and. Uh, when it gets published as a podcast, that'll be taken out and will be as if it never happened. So, look, thank you, everybody who joined us today listening in live, who may be listening to this later on. We're always interested in hearing your uh, your, your feedback and uh, your participation in the, the chat. So we will say good afternoon or oh, good morning for uh, from us here at uh, Talking Ozpole. Thanks again, Loganberry. Thanks again, Magpie. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll speak to everybody later. See ya. Cheers, Adi. See ya.